Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. Luke's Gospel, chapter 24, and we read just a, some of the story of the road to Emmaus. The road to Emmaus. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? And one of them whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward even, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and broke and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they arose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and hath appeared to Simon. And they told what things were done in the way, and how he was known of them in the breaking of bread. Now we could read on, but for the sake of time, I think we'll just stop there. Here we have a story of what happened on this day that all these all the events that had taken place on this first day of the week two disciples set out on a journey and they were going to a village called Emmaus now we don't exactly know 
where Emmaus is, it's, it's lost in history. But it was 60 furlongs, 60 furlongs. Now, not many people, unless you go horse racing, not many talk about furlongs these days. But there were eight furlongs in a mile. Do you ever wonder how all these things came about? Do you know, there were a hundred links in the chain, and, uh, and there are ten chains, I think, in a furlong, and eight furlongs in a mile. Why is a cricket pitch 22 yards long? That's a, it's the length of a chain, which was 22 yards. And uh, but that's all very irrelevant to what we're going to talk about. But in any case, eight furlongs, which was approximately seven and a half miles. They were walking about seven and a half miles, or 12 kilometers, to this village called Emmaus. And as they walked, they talked. And naturally, they were talking about all the things that had happened in the last few days, or even maybe the last week. How that their Lord and Savior, their Master, who had been with them for, for, for three odd years, uh, how he had been betrayed by one of their own, by Judas. Judas had betrayed him. And how the, 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 he had been taken to, first to Annas and then into Caiaphas, into the high priest, and the high priest had a palace, they talked about as a palace, a lot of very posh rooms, and he was brought in there, and he was condemned to death. They held this trial, and they condemned Jesus to death. And then he, he had been delivered by the chief priests and the elders into the hands of the Romans. And Pontius Pilate was asked by them to crucify him. They were talking like this all the time. They probably discussed about how Jesus was taken out and crucified between two thieves. He was dead, been buried. Then they'd been, they were obviously talking about the things that had happened that morning. How that some women had gone to the tomb and they had discovered that Jesus wasn't there. And that angels had said that he had arisen. And some of the men had gone out and they proved what the women had said was right, but Jesus wasn't there. And for some reason they had business to do probably in Emmaus, and they had set out on this journey with all these thoughts going through their head. They were in turmoil. What was going on? No doubt they had had hopes, they had had expectations, they had hoped, as they say in the next few verses. But all those things seemed to have been dashed. And they were sad. And they were confused. And then look in verse 15. Do you know what happened? Jesus himself drew near. As they were walking along, suddenly Jesus was walking behind them and he came up and he started walking alongside them. And he went with them. Their whole conversation had been about the past days. They reasoned, they discussed, they looked at it from every angle, and they were sad and miserable. And they obviously showed it by, the, by their demeanor. They showed it. They looked sad. Their faces looked sad. Their actions were sad. They were obviously dejected as they walked along. You know what people look like when they're sad? <laughs> 
They're not all bouncy. They're, they're miserable and they're walking along and they're discussing these things. And they did not know that Jesus himself was there with them. What a pity. What a pity. Jesus, they didn't recognize him. Their eyes were holding, it says. There was, for some reason, we don't know why, they didn't recognize Jesus. They didn't recognize him for some reason. In Mark, it says, in Mark 16, verse 12, after that he appeared in another form. That doesn't mean he was a spirit or anything like that, but he just looked different. He didn't, they didn't recognize him in any case. It doesn't matter. They didn't recognize him. How sad. Perhaps they were so caught up in what had happened to them, their disappointment, what they thought, how it had disappointed them, how their expectations had been dashed. And there was the one who could meet all their expectations, who could fulfill all their gr most greatest hopes, who could give them joy and peace and he was walking alongside them and they didn't recognize him. And in verse 17, Jesus walked alongside them and then he said to them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? What manner of communications are these? What are you talking about? What's, full, what's filling your mind and your thoughts as you walk along? You know, as I was looking at this passage last night, there are many challenges in it for you and for me. We're on a walk. We're marching to Zion, we sing. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. But as we walk to Zion, we're walking through this earth and through this world. Jesus comes and he asks us, What manner of communications are these that ye have one with another as ye walk? They were discouraged. Scripture was clear and plain if only they had taken it to heart. But instead of standing on the word of God, they had had Jesus talking to them as he was on the earth and as they walked with him for, those last, for the last three years, he had spoken to them. The word of God was clear. They allowed instead their influence to be upon themselves and upon what they could see, not on what Jesus had said. Instead of being anchored on the rock of the word of God, they were being blown around on the sea of life, weren't they? They should have remembered what Jesus had said. I go before you into Galilee, and things like that. That he would rise from the dead. He would rise from the dead. But that didn't seem to add up. They were looking around at all the fatalistic possibilities. 
Where had they put the body of Jesus? Where had he gone? They couldn't see him. Instead of walking by faith, they were walking by sight. Now we looked at that a long time ago in Numbers, and we'll go back to it again sometime. Well, they were walking, instead of walking by faith, as scripture says, basing your, your life on the word of God, basing their lives on what Jesus had said while he walked with them for those three, three years, they were, instead of that, they were walking by sight. They couldn't see him. So their expectations were dashed. Christ comes to us and he says to us, what communications are those that ye have one with another as ye walk? These people were talking about all the things that had happened to them instead of putting their eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ and what he had said in his word. What kind of communications do we have one with another as we walk the pathway of life? Do we talk more about the weather, the war in Iraq, the economy, the government, our business, how we make ends meet? Is that a communication one to another? As we come to our fellowship, as we close the service, what form of communication do we have one with another? We should be encouraging one another in the fact that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead and that he's our Lord and Savior and that he is walking with us as we go through life. Colossians, it says, Colossians 4, verse 6, let your speech be always with grace seasoned with salt. Now grace, I looked up to see what Strong said about grace here. and He says, grace here means that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness, graceful speech, goodwill, loving kindness, favor. The speech to be of the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of the Christian virtues. That's the kind of speech we should have. That which brings joy, which brings favor, is my speech like that. Is my conversation like that as I go about my daily work? As people meet me? Is that the kind of communication is coming from me as I walk? And it says it's to be seasoned with salt. You know, anything that hasn't salt in it hasn't sometimes much of a flavor. Salt gives it flavor, doesn't it? A white of an egg without salt is, is, is not very pleasant. And Jesus says we're the salt of the world. We're supposed to be there adding flavor to people's lives. And the other thing about salt is salt antagonizes the situation in which it is put. If you put salt on anything, it reacts. If you put salt on a cut, it's painful. But it purifies. 
And we as Christians should be there seeking to, to, to make the world a better place. To stop the rot. To purify. And our conversation should be like that. And Jesus said to them, What kind of conversation are you having as you walk along? You know, children, as we come across children, or young people, we get a, a, a picture of what their parents are like. Or we build up a picture, not always right, but we build up a picture of what we think the parents would be like by the way the children behave. The children are well behaved and, and, and mannerly, you know that they have been taught in the home to be mannerly and to be pleasant. And that applies to the Christian family. As we go about and our conversation and communication comes between each other and between those in the world, they are getting an impression about what our father is like. And what kind of impression am I given? To, to the people around of my father it's very sobering isn't it see these men were, were walking along and they, they were dejected they were sad they were giving out the wrong impression to any stranger that would have come along instead of trusting in the word of God they were being blown about by every wind of doctrine they weren't grounding their faith and their conversation on the gospel. But let's continue. But remember that. What manner of communications are these that ye have one with another as ye walk? But they went on. Cleopas, Cleopas said. Incidentally, this man Cleopas, he was the name of the, we don't know the name of the other one, we only know his name. It's the same apparently as Alpheus. And he said to Jesus, are you a stranger here? You must be a stranger to these parts because all the things that have happened in these last days. He was incredulous that somebody could have lived in Jerusalem and not known what had happened. Right going back to the previous uh, few days when Jesus went into the, the city on a, on, a, on a colt. We saw about that and, and, and the whole city was in turmoil. He said, surely to goodness you must have known about that. And did you not know? And Jesus said, what things? What things? <laughs> well, he told them what things. In verse 19, he said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth. Now remember, he was talking to Jesus of Nazareth when he was telling him this. But he said, it was a, this man, Jesus of Nazareth which was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people he, he spoke out he spoke out against the, the Jewish uh, traditions and how the chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him they condemned him to death and they crucified him and you wonder what was going through Jesus' mind as he was telling him this we trusted that this man was going to redeem Israel or we thought that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel and, and, and get rid of all the, the, the Romans. And Beside all this, he says, three days since this happened. And some of our, some of our people, just, just, just this morning, they went to the, to the tomb where Jesus had been put. And, and they, they, he, 
he went through all the things that had happened to Jesus. And about the vision that Jesus was alive. And he was alive because he was walking beside them, but they didn't recognize him. And then Jesus said, Oh fools. Now he wasn't he wasn't calling them fools the way that we people call people fools. He was saying, Oh thoughtless people. You know, you haven't grasped what has been written. He says, Oh thoughtless and backward to believe. You've been slow in believing all that has been written down by the prophets. How careless of you. You have all the scriptures, you've been privileged to have all the prophecies, and you've ignored them. You've ignored them. He said, ought not Christ to have suffered these things? Was it not written? Ought he not to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And then, he did a wonderful thing. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Isn't that amazing? As they walked along, Jesus started to explain what scriptures, I wonder which ones, all of them. That's what it says. He expounded all the scriptures. Now, they were walking for seven and a half miles. And I suppose if they were doing about two or three miles, this Bible class went on for about two or three hours. It needed to. Because there are dozens and dozens and dozens of verses in the scriptures concerning Jesus. All throughout the Old Testament. All those verses pointing to the Messiah coming. And he started. He mentioned them all. We haven't time to mention them all. But I presume he probably started in Genesis. Genesis 3.15 I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. God speaking to the serpent, the Satan. And he says, I'm going to put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head. And thou shalt bruise his heel. Jesus was going to go to the cross of Calvary. That's what it's saying. And Satan was going to be defeated. Oh yes, Satan would, would bruise his heel by causing him to go to Calvary. But Jesus was going to defeat Satan at Calvary. Right from the very start in the Garden of Eden, Jesus goes back. And God points out that God had a plan for, his, for our salvation right from the start. And I'm sure Jesus started way back in Genesis. Right in the first book of the Bible. Went right through Genesis. Picked out all the verses. And got to Exodus. Oh, I'm sure he, he got to Exodus and he said about the lamb that was slain. You know, that lamb that was slain, he was saying, that was pointing to this man Jesus. Do you remember, do you remember John said one day, Behold the lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. John was pointing to this man Jesus. That was in Exodus. The lamb was slain and, and the people came out of Egypt, they were redeemed. And this, this man, Jesus, who was coming, he was going to be slain as the Lamb of God. He went through Exodus. 
Genesis Exodus Leviticus no doubt he showed them all the all the you ever read Leviticus all the sacrifices in Leviticus he probably pointed out to all the sacrifices and he said you see the way all these sacrifices they all pointed to this man Jesus who was coming all those things in Leviticus they went to numbers oh he said yes do you remember the numbers the story of the fiery serpents going through and killing the people well you see remember Jesus said this is him talking but he would have been saying do you remember that story well do you remember Jesus said as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness even so shall the son of man be lifted up so he was pointing that out that the, the story in, in numbers is pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ Deuteronomy came to Deuteronomy oh he says it's a verse in Deuteronomy you know that verse it says that God will raise up a prophet like unto Moses and he did that was this man Jesus and do you remember Jesus did a miracle and the men looked around and do you know what they said when they had seen the miracles that Jesus did they said this is of a truth the prophet that should come into the world <coughs> oh yes he said do you remember the remember that miracle was done by Jesus well the people recognized that this was the one who was coming as Moses had predicted in Deuteronomy and so on right through the whole of the scriptures he brought all these verses and showed them how much Jesus was foretold Psalm 22 haven't time to go into it all but read Psalm 22 when you go home Psalm 22 it says my God my God why hast thou forsaken me I wonder did he mention he said do you remember when Jesus was on the cross what did he cry he cried my God my God why hast thou forsaken me the psalmist was talking about Jesus he goes on to Isaiah he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all the prophet was speaking about this man Jesus who was going to come the one who was going to be wounded and bruised and remember Jesus this man Jesus didn't mention didn't open his mouth when he was accused do you know what the Isaiah says he was led like a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb so he opened all his mouth he fulfilled that and all the way through the Old Testament and I have a lot more but we haven't time but he went through and pointed out all the things that concerned himself and they listened and there was something niggling them all the time as they listened but they couldn't put their finger on it and they arrived at Emmaus they arrived at the house where they were going to stay oh you know there's so many other things I could say there but we haven't time and Jesus said well 
nice meeting you. I'll see you again sometime. And they said, no, no. You can't go on. It's late. Come on in and stay the night. They brought him into the house. And they prepared a meal. And Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And we're not told what he said, but perhaps he said what he'd said in the upper room. Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Oh, they recognized him. It's him. And he disappeared. Disappeared. What, what joy must have filled their hearts. They recognized him. It's wonderful. Do we recognize him this morning? We have the privilege of all the verses of scripture. We have the privilege of everything. Do we recognize him? And you know, it was dangerous to travel at night time. But that didn't, that didn't enter their head. They, they said, listen, we better get back. And you know, when, when we recognize the Lord Jesus, when we have that fellowship with him, we want to be with the Lord's people. That's it. They wanted to get back and spread the good news. They got back to... To Jerusalem and there was the group of people and they had good news they said listen the Lord's appeared to Simon he's risen oh I said listen wait we tell you what's happened to us and they explained everything he challenged us he challenged us about what we're talking about he challenged us about our living uh, that, that we were sad our conversation, our communication was, was we were walking by, by sight and not by faith and he graciously appeared to us oh if with eyes defiled and dim we see the signs but see not him oh may his love the scales displace and bid us view his lovely face and that's what we're here this morning to remember the Lord and the breaking of bread to remember him to see him because the Greeks came to, to, to the disciples and we would see Jesus and that's what we want to get a glimpse of him this morning in all his risen glory oh if with eyes defiled and dim we see the signs but see not him oh may his love the scales displace and bid us view his glorious face. And we're going to break bread this morning. We're going to come around the, the, the table of the Lord and we're going to just give him thanks. Let's just pray. Oh God, our gracious Father, may we, as we break bread together, Remember all that Jesus Christ has done for us. We give you thanks for him. 
We thank you that he has said to come and dine. And we gather around the bread and the wine this morning. Symbols of his body broken for us and his blood poured out. And we just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me my great salvation. So rich, so free. We thank you that he shed his precious blood. He died that we might live. That we might go to be with him. This may be the last time we'll break bread together. Oh God, we give you thanks for your Son, our Saviour. We thank you, O oh God, that your righteousness was satisfied. This is Christ. We're going to break bread together. <clears throat> I feel us to just carry on just a, one little verse further. And as they spoke together, when, when they arrived back, and they said that Peter had, had seen the Lord and they told what had happened to them. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. They were terrified, they were frightened, they were afraid of the authorities, they were confused, and Jesus comes. And he says, peace be unto you. Now, some of us are going to have a difficult week. We're nervous. We're anxious. Jesus comes. And he walks along with us. And he says, peace be unto you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind. Satan wants your mind. Satan wants your mind. He will work at it. That's what's wrong with these men walking on the road to Emmaus. Their minds were being got at. They were walking by sight and not by faith. That peace can keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God. Let's remember that this week. Jesus comes in the turmoil and in the confusion and says, Peace be unto you.